Hi, it's Ruth Connell. I played Rowena on Supernatural, and you are listening to Neil Before Pod. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Carry on my wayward son. There'll be peace when you are done. Lay your weary head to rest. Don't you cry no more. Welcome to Neil Before Pod, the podcast that has been on the road for a long, long time. I'm your host Craig, and this is one 15 years in the making. We're all here to talk about Supernatural. So with me I have a couple of hunters to back me up on this Supernatural hunt. So first up we have Laura. Welcome. Thank you very much. And what is your vehicle of choice? Uh, Metacycle. Motorcycle. <laughs> can't fit a lot of guns on it, but you can move quickly, move away quickly, I guess, escape quickly. Yeah, keeps the packing down to a minimum too. Yeah. And Aaron, welcome. I found a liquor store. You found a liquor store? <laughs> Good. But what's your vehicle of choice? Well, angel wings, obviously. Oh, that's a good option. Yeah, that's a good option. Yeah. I've got an ice cream van. Plenty of storage. Doesn't get me there very quickly, but plenty of storage. Not all that covert, i got to say, but maybe that's the point. <laughs> it can be covert enough. I roll into town, ready to give some ice cream, but then people are like, why is that a shotgun? <laughs> Takes a bit of explaining, but it gets me in. So, mm-hmm. so, Supernatural, it finished. It's been on for 15 whole years. 15, and it's finally finished. Unbelievable. Yeah, long time. It's destiny. Someone has written this destiny for us and we can't escape it. So we'll just start with some thoughts on the final season and the ending, but without spoiling. So, Laura, since you're a guest, do you want to take it away? Oh, challenging. So final season, without any spoilers, basically the big bad is God, which seems appropriate for the very last season and yeah you just basically he gets a bit greedy a bit unhappy wants to rewrite all the worlds and as always sam and dina trying to stop whatever evil it is from taking over so that's my summary in in very short terms really enjoyed it i've got to say it was weird watching obviously because of the really long hiatus but no, it's been good. Yeah, and with the ending, did you enjoy the ending or conflicted or somewhere in between? Right, so I really enjoyed the very last episode. It was one of those endings that was like so satisfying that you don't feel too sad that it's finished because it feels like a proper conclusion. However, and I'm sure we'll go into this a bit later, the second to last and third to last episodes left me kind of wanting in terms of plot and season arcs concluding. Okay. We will definitely get to that once we summon the spoiler monster hmm. and we can do that. So, Aaron, same question. What did you think of the final season and the ending? 
final season. I didn't really get much out of it at all, but that's a longer problem <laughs> we can go into. <laughs> and the ending, massively disappointing. And I'm still not quite sure if it's just because it's not what I wanted or because I actively thought it was bad. I'm still going back and forwards on that, but either way, yeah, didn't like it. There are two things that occur in the final episode that were just truly amazing. And then everything else around it was like, nope, sorry, not interested in any of that. Okay, so we'll try and resolve that for you in the next little while. I imagine that miracles are possible. So we'll see if we can finally get you to arrive at a position on that. Maybe that's why this is happening. Maybe that's your destiny to get this resolved in your head. It's your season finale, or season finale. It's becoming a bit like some sort of psychological session, isn't it, really? <laughs> well, I've never done that before, but it could end up being like that. So my thoughts on the final season. I really like the final season pretty much throughout. I think Supernatural sort of reached a consistent level of quality for me. As in, it got to a point where it was very rare that it would ever be sort of amazing, like it could be in its earlier seasons or in the middle seasons or landmark episodes that we'll talk about later as well. But there was a consistent level of quality that kind of sustained itself throughout the season for me. I knew what to expect from it. I got roughly what to expect from it. And I felt that they were building up to something really well, like they usually do. They've been doing this for 15 years. They know what they're doing. They know how to build something. So I was really enjoyed it for the most part. There's the odd blip here and there, but other than that. And the ending, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was pretty perfect. And we'll get on to bits and pieces about it that don't necessarily quite work. And there's probably some limitations in there that prevented certain things from being done. But broadly speaking, I thought it was great. Really enjoyed watching it. And it felt like a proper cap off to something that had been going so long but there's obviously going to be some debate over that i mean there always is going to be something that has such a large fan base not everyone's going to be satisfied by it so at least we have the disappointed end of the spectrum on here which helps yeah it sounds like everyone's kind of on a different level so that'll be good yeah we're all about balance i definitely have very mixed feelings about it but hey ho okay (laughs) Well, without further ado, should we just summon the spoiler creature and then we can get stuck right in? Yeah. Let's do that. Okay, so now we can say whatever we want, which is great. Yay! Censorship is dead. Freedom. Absolute freedom. So we'll start with... Sam and Dean, since the show is about them. I've lumped them together because they are essentially one entity. Hmm. You're not wrong. They are separate characters, but they are a character in themselves. I liked the arc that they created for both of them. You had Dean on the side of, I'm really sick of this. I want my free will back. Mm -hmm. We're going to lose. We can't win here. This is ridiculous. And Sam saying, let's be hopeful because we might win. If we win, then we're free. We can do whatever we want. You had that usual, Sam has to occupy one position of an argument. Dean has to occupy the other side so that they can argue (laughs) and see eye to eye and then argue again and so on over the course of 20 episodes. I thought that worked really well because it always works really well. That's the way they always do it. And Dean just sort of losing hope while Sam is like, no, 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 we can do this. I liked. Yeah, I think that was probably the most interesting aspect of this season was especially, you know, for a show that's rounding 
15 whole seasons and with that sort of meta element of God being a writer and Sam and Dean just living like a pre-written story. I don't think they fully engaged with it, if I'm being honest, but they did sort of try to address the argument of free will and the role of storyteller versus character. And it's kind of appropriate given that their whole name is Team Free Will in the fandom. So it almost seems quite appropriate for it to end that way. Well, there was always the undercurrent of, are we doing things for ourselves or are we playing right into God's hands here? And then let's try this, but he might want us to do this. Mm. It does get to the point in the season where God says, oh yeah, yeah, I knew you were going to do this and this is what I was aiming for. And I kept putting these little morsels of hope in your way so that you think it might be possible to win, but it never was and so on. But yeah, I agree they don't go fully into it. I think the fact that they are allowed to just cut about and do whatever they want is a bit underdeveloped in the sense of, are they supposed to be doing that or are they going off book or is God just not paying attention at that point? Yeah. Doing something else. Yeah, a lot of the time it seems kind of lazy how they pick and choose when God is aware and when he isn't. But I don't know, maybe that's just that they didn't have the time or will to address that really. But it felt a bit cheap sometimes where they'd be like, oh, plot twist, I knew the whole time. But then other times where it's really convenient, it's like, ah, didn't see that coming. But anyway. (laughs) It was hilarious when they had the alternate Sam and Dean. It's like, you guys sit here and do this and we'll run off and do something else and God will be watching you and not us. Uh, What? (laughs) He knows all in season. He knows what you're doing. (laughs) Aaron, what do you think of this dichotomy between the two of them? As you say, that's kind of how they rig it all the time. And it it is a good idea. That is something that is almost a necessity. It's almost a theme. And on the face of it, I would have been totally happy with that. But what the two of you have just described is my problem with Robert Singer, actually. You've just described everything that I think is what he brings to the show and what I don't like. I think it's not a problem with just this season. I think they always do it that way. But when you actually bring in God, it makes it ridiculous. Because every other character, when they completely compromise the power level for the purposes of the plot, you can sort of say, well, I don't know, maybe they were overpowered by something, this, that or the other. You can find an excuse in your own head as to why even Leviathan and angels could be overcome by something. Because magic spells... But when you have the creator of the universe, who is by definition authoring every single thing that happens, it's completely ridiculous. And I wasn't able to suspend my disbelief when they just said, oh, God, I'll miss this one and it'll be fine. So, no, I don't think it's actually a problem with just this series. I think it's something Supernatural does purposefully. I think they use the plot force. I think Robert Singer has been quoted as saying, I just do the character stuff and I let the plot take care of itself. (laughs) And I hate that. And I personally think it actually ruins things. But Supernatural is so much fun. It's actually one of these series that I've been able to watch it despite that because it's just so much fun. Mm. I enjoy it anyway. But then, yeah, when you bring God in, it stopped me having the fun because I just every single time went, but he's God. (laughs) You, you, you don't get to do you know, that. You know, he created you. You've even said he's controlling all of your actions. So when you just say, well, screw it, we're just going to go for it. And we'll just hope that people aren't going to worry about this conceit. There is a limit to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I couldn't get past it. 
one thing I did think they did really well with God, though, was they had that built-in weakness, and that was his arrogance and the fact that he wasn't really paying full attention to what was going on. I think that was pretty consistent throughout. Otherwise, he would be undefeatable. There has to be something that he's missed or not thought of. Otherwise, he would just win, and then the show would be over, and he would decide to just destroy this final universe, and then that would be it. I think I'd actually wouldn't have minded that ending. <laughs> like, it would have been ballsy and, you know... Maybe not so much on brand, but I would have respected that as a creative choice. Yeah. Imagine the yeah. destroying <laughs> I mean, it was never going to happen. They were going to have yeah, to of course. in some way. And, and the fact that they make God out to just be some kind of arrogant, spoiled child in a way really helps with that because it does make it believable that there is something you wouldn't have thought of, especially when he was interacting with Amara. Mm-hmm. She's clearly the mature one. And he's the stroppy younger brother kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Although it did seem to make sense that Amara would be instrumental in his downfall, but then they just kind of did away with that. But Supernatural always does that. It always seems to be heading in one direction. And then it, you get to a point where it's three or four episodes to the end and they remove the possibility of the ending that you thought was going to happen. Right, yeah. Pretty much every season it's like, okay, they're going to do this now. And I think the only time that I've seen what was coming was when I figured out that Lilith was the final seal. Oh, did you figure that out ahead of... The finale. Fair. Yeah, because it was just the way that things were going. And like, she seems awfully determined mm. to lead them in this direction. And then lo and behold, I was right. Mm. It kind of annoyed me that Sam and Dean didn't figure it out. <laughs> if I can, then <laughs> yeah, I didn't see any of what was coming coming. But I sort of recognised that built-in weakness because he's always had that. He's always had that kind of short-sightedness and he's not able to see beyond himself and thinks his creation's a plaything and doesn't really anticipate the whole notion of free will and so on yeah which is weird considering how much of a big deal he makes writing a story where the characters are doing things that are unexpected or are expected and they have a life of their own blah 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 i don't know that paired with the fact that they never wrote in any limits to his power or his knowledge Kind of shot them in the foot, really. For one, right? Okay, this is me going on a tangent. But do you remember in the early seasons with the original death and he was like, one day I'm going to reap God? That, that was such an interesting promise that they basically disregarded by making death become just another power-hungry, omnipotent person. Whereas the idea of death reaping God kind of nods to this whole much bigger vision of the world and that kind of just got dismissed but i just thought that was an interesting one yeah one thing i thought they were going to do with the reapers was that they kind of spawned as an unintended consequence of his creation it's a simple physics of reaction is that equal and opposite reaction so in order for him to create the universe there had to be something in place that would counter him as well so that's what i thought the reapers were all about and then once one sort of ascended to the level of death then they could be a match for him. They didn't end up going that way, or at least they didn't make use of it. I think it was still implied that, for example, Billy could take him down if she was ever presented with him. And I think that's why he engineered it in such a way that they would get rid of her. I don't know. I feel like they kind of gave that role to Mara rather than suggesting that death was a match. I think in the later seasons and when Billy becomes death, it was very much a matter of she's just another sort of player but someone who's nowhere near 
the same league as God or even his sister. Yeah, although he did seem to want rid of her as well. They focus that too much on his book, though. Like, how he died, I don't know. Obviously, you build a huge mythology over 15 seasons. There's no way that every thread is going to get tied up. It's one of those things that you'll keep thinking about it or you'll revisit the seasons and you're like, oh, they never really did anything with that. It's kind of unavoidable in a way, but still bears mentioning. Yeah, I kind of saw the book as that reaction that he couldn't get away from. I mean, he can't even read it because... He's not able to see his fate, I guess. So it just seems like that's some kind of cosmic balancing act that happens because of what he did and there's nothing he can do about it. Yeah. But again, they didn't go fully into it as such. They could have certainly done more there. Mm. And it's not as if there wasn't time. I mean, there was 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a show that got cancelled in its second season. No, I can't see it now. up threads, yeah. So, I don't know. I didn't really have an issue with it as such, but I recognise that, oh, yeah, there's probably a bit more there that you could have pulled on but didn't, mm-hmm. especially with all the, the fixation on the book, because we've had that since season 14. That's been sort of mentioned, hasn't it? Uh, Yeah, that seems right. Yeah, something like that. But, yeah, God is the, the big bad for the end of the show. You can't get any bigger than that, at least. No, I think that was probably the only way it could possibly head. Remember when Lucifer was the biggest? (laughs) I love that they brought him back in the end, even if it was just for a little while. Well, like that, it it was an extra bit of manipulation as well. He showed up for a few scenes and he thought that God had designated him as favourite. So then Michael kills him and then Michael sucks up to his dad again. And God's like, nah, Mm. I never cared about you. I just wanted Lucifer out of the way or I just wanted to get the book. Yeah. You would bring it. (laughs) bit sad but <laughs> yeah one last dose of mark pellegrino is never about <laughs> and it saves the finale being overloaded by unnecessary cameos it's like let's throw lucifer in for a minute let's throw such and such in for a minute you know to be fair from the sounds of it that was the original plan which they then just had to all go in light of filming restrictions but i read an interview with Definitely Jensen Ackles and then one of the head writers. And they were like, yeah, we were going to have a sort of montage with all the prominent characters throughout the seasons, but we weren't able to do that because of traveling restrictions and quarantining and things. I don't know what that would have looked like, but it sounded like they were going to, just as a sort of final farewell, bring back a lot of the characters. Yeah, I'm not sure what I would have thought of that because... Over the past two or three seasons, we've been getting kind of farewells from a bunch of characters anyway. Mm. And just because they're not in the final episode doesn't mean you didn't get a goodbye from them. I mean, we've got John Winchester back in the 300th episode, however briefly. Yeah. So on. So yeah, I didn't feel like I needed to see him again no. to feel complete because we got that and other characters as well. I think focusing the finale on the two of them was the right thing. Yeah. But we'll get to that. So Castiel... I've got a note on Castiel. Building up to his end point, we've known about that for quite a while now. It seemed divisive when it happened, as it always is going to be when they get rid of a popular character. I thought it was well done. I think that sort of revelatory moment where he realised that his happiness was there all along. It's a bit Hallmark moment, I guess, but it made sense when he realised, no, no, this life I've built for myself, that is my true happiness. Oh, no, I've realised it now. That means I have to die. 
you know, it's that tragedy that comes with that realization. I like the way that played out. Yeah, I mean, we've had this chat and I've expressed my disagreement in how Castile's death was brought about and then handled. Without going into too much of a rant, I thought the reasons for which he died seemed kind of low rent compared to the bigger bit. And then also <laughs> to have him die and then disappear. And then you find out that like one episode later, Jack brings him back from the void and he's just out there in charge of heaven. It all seems very like there's no follow through. There's no actual consequence to anything, which is a little bit frustrating. I suppose they kind of had to do that when Lucifer came back, because if God can bring Lucifer back, just like, yeah, of course, Jack can bring Cass back. There's no reason for him not to. That's another thing, the sort of balance of powers between death and the void and God is like, where does each sit on the scale? If God can bring anyone out from the void, what's the void even doing? (laughs) Did it need to be such a big player? I don't know. So many questions, so few answers. Yeah, I always found the empty interesting, this whole, this is where angels go when they Mm. Yeah, sorry, I kept saying the void is the empty. Yeah. Same thing, really, but... Thing, yeah. <laughs> it's this whole, yeah, they all go here and they're fine, but they're just asleep, so... Yeah, odd. Yeah. And then you've got this weird being that watches over them and doesn't want to be interrupted, but then is interrupted and goes to war against heaven. And I think the empty could have possibly been a bit better developed, but at the same time, it was fine the, the way it was. I, I liked that extra bit of mythology and especially since they came up with it in season what 13 or whatever it was is that when you first see it i thought it was later on somewhere around then okay i think it's about season 13 right it's whenever castia so that's after the yeah I'll, i'll be honest it's kind of all muddled in my head right now in terms of where the season distinctions start and finish but yeah no fair well, the last time i watched that season was when it was on <laughs> two years two years ago so <laughs> Yeah, but that's my point, though. If you're watching it in real time, it's more distinct as chapters of a bigger story, whereas the way I rewatched it all in one go, it all just, like, melds together. <laughs> it kind of all melds together in my brain as well because I've seen most of it once mm. as I was watching it. So it's when did this happen? But I'm pretty sure The Empty was introduced earlier than last season. I think it was before that. Whatever season Apocalypse World first existed. I think that's 13 because that's Jack's first season as well. Mm. Aaron, what are your thoughts on Castiel's ending? Unfortunately, the same as most of the things that are in the season. The standard final season go round all the old characters. is something that all these shows love to do, but most of them just get a random appearance. And if you chuck that into some of the plots being completely unimportant, then you've got people turning up just because we want to be able to check their name off the list. So Castiel's plot is just resolved because he needed to die and he needed to give himself up for the others. And it doesn't have any great meaning because they just get them into danger and then they use it. It's almost like cashing in a chip as part of a computer game. Did you remember to get the brown key from level four of the dungeon? Because you need to pass that door when you get to level 13. Yeah. So it means a little more than just turning a key in a lock. It does come with a reasonably good speech. He does point out that he is happy with the developments that have gone on and he realizes that and that's a nice end to his arc, but it's in the middle of not really much else. It doesn't build up to that. It doesn't 
really have any meaning after it, as Laura said. It's just a thing, and then you move on, which is the same as Lucifer and Michael. They're just a thing, and they move on. Is it great to see Mark Pellegrini? Not really. He didn't do anything. He just turned up, was a bit smart-ass for a bit, and wandered off. But it's like, okay, well, I didn't need to see that. And then Michael turns up, and you get this great speech about how I've now realized that God didn't like us after all. And I now realize my millennia of hoping to gain his attention was now completely pointless. And then because it's convenient for the plot, a couple of episodes later, oh, daddy, I love you. I, I really wish I could do everything. And yeah. Okay, so Michael's entire character is utterly pointless then. Yeah, that double cross, horrible. I don't honestly believe you can work anything out in a show like this. But, I mean, Robert Singer is on paper saying, I do not plot. <laughs> I expect you to be in love with the characters and the plot will just fall into place. And if you're going to do that, you're saying you won't be able to follow plot leads because I won't use them. I don't want to use them. If I occasionally do some, great, but we're not worried about this. And again, if Supernatural is really funny and really a joy to watch, who cares? Because you're entertaining me. But if you're then going to turn around and say, ah, clever plot thing, and I go, well, no, I wasn't clever. You just threw three characters away. You brought them on the scene for a cheap gag and then got rid of them. And I, I don't mind that they didn't follow up on, you know, I mean, Laura, you're saying that they, they didn't follow up on these plots. I think you're right. I think the purpose they didn't is left stuff, mm-hmm. but cast it away by the wayside. But it didn't matter if they were entertaining us. But I, I didn't find that stuff at the end entertaining to see any of these characters come up and essentially take random actions. And you say Castillo sacrifices mean I think, came back. Jack was thrown into the, the empty and died. I mean, I think he survived. He was fine. <laughs> How do you expect me to believe that the world-ending bomb is a big deal if it just doesn't do anything? Oh, apparently there was a loud noise. Oh, I'm really sorry. <laughs> down. And, that, and that's the end of it. So, <laughs> so I enjoyed none of it, I have to say, because it didn't mean anything. And there are points that did mean something in the series. Mm. Odd little things like, Dog, um, God gives, that's hard to say. God gives Dean a dog and then takes it away. I actually really liked that bit. I hate you for that. Yeah. That was like a really powerful point. I love that bit. All the rest of it, you know, Michael Castiel, yeah, whatever. Just, you've had your box ticked. You like Castiel. You've seen him on screen a bit. Brilliant. Done that move on. Mm. So, no, didn't get anything really out of any of that. Just these little odd moments that I enjoyed for what they were but none of the sort of big supposedly meaningful stuff really meant anything to me mm. the thing in, with michael that i thought was weird was they had that back and forth they had with adam earlier in the season and i think it was just one episode yeah i wondered why they brought adam back at all because they didn't do anything with him other than in that episode you can teach me how earth works and i'll teach you how angel stuff works and then that was it and when they meet up with Michael again, it's, oh, yeah, Adam was raptured at the same time everyone else was, so it's just me here. So <laughs> you could have got away without Adam being there initially, I guess. Yeah. You wouldn't have cared. Because Adam wouldn't have been stupid enough to then be like, oh, actually, I want to take the side of God again. Like that whole bit, I'm sorry, but the back and forth and betrayal between like Lucifer, God and Michael really didn't sell it to me. The way you think he's having that moment of character growth and then goes like, uh, actually, I was playing you. I was really annoyed by that. I think the problem is we don't know that version of Michael well enough as well. Mm. 
we don't really know what his allegiance to God is and why he was so devoted to him. Because we had more time with the alternate version of Michael. Uh, from the other world. Yeah. yeah. So he was a much more prominent threat and he did various things and had proper motivations. Whereas this version, we'd only really seen him once earlier in the series in season five. And that was it. Mm. And he was just God's instrument against Lucifer at that point. That was all he was. The betrayal, yeah, you don't see it coming because you have no reason to believe that he is devoted to his father anymore at that point. But at the same time, it's just convenient. Mm. And there are always conveniences. That's not something the show has just started doing. As Aaron said, it's part of the furniture at this point. I do think it became more prominent in the last season, though. And I don't know whether that's because they started off being like, well, it's our last season. Here's where we want to get by the end of it. And screw the journey. Like It doesn't need to make sense as long as that's where we end up. Or whether they really did just run out of good material. But I I definitely think that it was more evident in season 15 than it's been, bar season 7, than it's been in any other season. It probably is exemplified by the episode where they go to the alternate universe where i kind of remember is it kai there's a, a young woman character and yeah she's yeah with herself and that episode to me i went back through it after i watched it nothing happens mm. and no choices are made when anybody gets any sort of course in writing you know you go through it and you try and learn it the first thing they tell you is create conflict and then figure out how your characters are going to resolve it there's no conflict. We need to go there. Okay. Is there a spell? Yep, there's a spell. There's no conflict there. Brilliant. Open the door. Brilliant. Go through. Any trouble there? Big monsters. No, no. They're just going to watch us for a bit. Where's the girl? She's over there. Great. Let's go back. Any problems going back? Nope. Brilliant. We're back. Nobody goes through any journey. No, nothing is resolved. There is no fight. There's no argument. And you're just thinking, why did I watch that? Mm. That was a waste of time. And if the argument was, oh, character development, I think a lot of these episodes, the character development was there is a heartfelt reveal from a character at the end of the episode where they tell you they've just learned something or the reason why they want to do it. And you almost feel tricked. It's like you watch 40 minutes of an episode and then there's some meaning at the end. And that's the last thing you remember because it's the last thing you watch. You go, aha, my episode had meaning. And no, it didn't. Mm. No, you slapped me in the face with it in the last two minutes. The rest of it was a waste of time. You should have just skipped to the end. You come back to the ending. This is, again, why I feel a bit betrayed by the ending. Not because the idea of Dean dying and Sam living happily ever after was bad, but it's just it, we didn't build up to that. We didn't do anything. We didn't earn it. We didn't make cross any rivers to get there. It just is. Oh, that's a shame. You could have just told me. And I would have said, oh, is that how it ends? Oh, I'm brilliant. And I walked away. We could have just done this in a quick five-minute chat. <laughs> Series 15 is a disappointment for that reason, I think, because they were too busy ticking off the character cameos and not actually giving you any plot because one of them thought they didn't need to. Yeah, that episode you were talking about, I think that's very much closing the door on the backdoor pilot that didn't go anywhere. Because mm-hmm. the they set that up as something, we can explore this over a couple of seasons of this other show that will never get made. And then it got to the point, oh, we haven't resolved that yet. We'll do that since this other show will never exist to do it. I actually didn't remember that episode until you'd mentioned it. So, oh, yeah. well, there you go. 
<laughs> Which is a shame considering it was a shorter season as well and they had so much to wrap up. You'd think every episode yeah. would count. Only by two episodes, though. It wasn't. Yeah, but when it comes to a big finale, the fact that they crammed the season resolution into one episode and then the series resolution into another just all felt very, very rushed to me. I think they could have done with the extra, either making full use of the 20 episodes they did have or make use of the full 22 and sort of prolong the ending a little bit. I don't know. I was happy enough with the way it all ended. I think God's downfall being that he was essentially tricked into using up enough power so that Jack could absorb it was a bit of a contrivance. And it was at least a contrivance they sort of set up by having Jack just absorbing stuff by walking past it. So it was building to that. It wasn't just out of nowhere. But hilariously, it was a bit Scooby-Doo in the way that they explained it, which Supernatural is often described as Scooby-Doo for adults. So they remain consistent with that. It's the, well, what you didn't realise was that Jack was sucking up all this power and it flashes back to a <laughs> They look through the blinds and see him. Oh my god, it was the fact that they actually opted for flashbacks. I was like, are you serious? (laughs) He did not need to give us a whole montage to remind us. Like The fact that you needed to do that tells me you didn't properly develop the story. When did this happen? Ten minutes ago, I remember. (laughs) That's actually a thing that CW shows do quite a lot, though. Yeah. Tell you something as if you haven't been paying enough attention. Mm. And I guess the bulk of their viewership might not be paying enough attention to remember that. I don't know. But they always do that. As you know, this thing happened last week. And it's like, I know, I was there, <laughs> I was watching. <laughs> and this character was also there and was paying attention in that moment as well. So there's no reason for you to be telling me at the moment. But again, it was that thing that God hadn't thought of or hadn't noticed. Because the one thing they did set up really well was that he was very dismissive of Jack. He didn't see him as a threat. He just ignored him. He was too busy focusing on Sam and Dean and how they can entertain him. And he was like, oh yeah, and Jack, whoever, Mm. that guy. I don't care about him. I'm just going to let him do whatever without realizing that, oh yeah, this being is the most powerful thing in the universe after it takes all my power. Yeah, I still don't get how they justify the fact that he suddenly became like a power vacuum out of nowhere but anyway it's just that thing about he loses powers and then that's the thing that happens when he loses his powers because there's nothing like him that's ever been i don't know (laughs) it seems a bit convenient to me (laughs) it's something they've done before Mm. oh yeah when such and such loses their powers this is what happens apparently that's just what happens when a nephilim loses its power (laughs) And then gets its soul back and whatever. Mm. (laughs) And then explodes. Yeah, and then explodes after absorbing too much power. But it was the wrong kind of power that he was absorbing before. So who knows? Pretty much just detailed why plotting is a good thing (laughs) for Korra, which is kind of a weird thing for this whole final season because the plot is plot. That's your whole conceit is that God is writing plot. Mm, yeah. And if you then decide that you don't think plot is a useful thing, how are you going to convince me that this character, whose whole raison d'etre is plotting, how are you going to convince me that that's believable? Because you've just dismissed it. You could have gone the other route and say, okay, well, he's actually also not a plotter. But they never really, as you said earlier, they didn't really commit to that either. One of my thoughts was, I wonder if I don't like it, it's because it wasn't what I wanted it to be. And when it 
came up originally that he was going to be a plotter, I thought, oh, right, so God's going to be somebody who's rubbish at storytelling. So what they'll do is they'll predict the most hack story that could possibly be compiled. And God will have written that and they will outwit him because they will actually be able to do something that a hack writer couldn't possibly understand. You know, they'll go deep. Whereas God's going shallow, mm. completely outwit him and beat him. Oh, yes, that would be an amazing story. And it will commit to this idea that he's a writer and somehow you have to beat a writer at their own story. And that was just leading me to all these thoughts about how amazing that could be. They could even do a Scooby-Doo episode where they play God at his own game. As God says, I'm sort of writing a detective novel. So Dean turns up in... Well, either he just takes control of it by turning up in a detective hat and a, and a smoking jacket or whatever, or he completely goes the other way and comes in a ballerina outfit. Oh, you didn't expect that, did you? <laughs> no, we didn't. Oh, my God, what do we do? We can't handle it. So there's so many ways that they could have used the force of the plot. But in the end, God can't use it. God seems subjected to it himself. And so you end up with these unsatisfying and let's wave our arms, Jack's a bomb. Okay, Jack's not a bomb anymore. What is he now? Quick, writer's room, think. <laughs> what if he was the opposite of a bomb? Brilliant, use that. <laughs> so you're just chucking random ideas at the page and then it doesn't go anywhere and who's really surprised. So maybe I didn't like it because it wasn't what I wanted. I thought they should have taken that idea further. Or maybe it was just naff writing. I don't know. <laughs> I guess the idea kind of was that God was also a part of the story and had no control over how it ended in that sense because he couldn't read his own ending in that book for some reason. But you can't set him up to be the author of the universe and then be like, oh, he's just another pawn in the game because that then implies a higher power to God, which they've not established. That would be a fine little mystery out there. You mean I wasn't the be all and end all of everything holy imagine if the finale is like god's dad rocks up he's like sake <laughs> you can take that to the nth degree that argument if something was around to create god and amara what created that and what created that and what created that and so on that's that kind of religious question that people are always wrestling yeah, but with. this is the problem you can't go into something and say we're going to investigate this and then not investigate it you have to commit to one or the other Either wave all your arms at the start to set it up and then just run with what you've constructed or don't say you're going to investigate this stuff. Because when Jack comes in at the end and gives his big speech about how he's going to be a much more benevolent, higher power, I was sitting there going, what? You've just said you're going to be exactly the same as the last God. And we're supposed to think of that as a good thing. Everybody goes away happy. <laughs> I don't understand. He's going to be hands off. The last God was hands off. The last God was only interested in Sam and Dean. If you want Sam and Dean, do what you like. Nobody else's lives on the entire planet, the entire universe, the entire multiverse is in any way different because of the change of gods. Yeah, I've just wandered myself into a place of pain. I don't want to come. Back. <laughs> there is all the collateral damage associated with God putting plots in their way and scenarios in their way to deal with. There's always innocent people caught up in that that now won't be because no one is specifically writing it. Okay, do the math for me on that. There. What percentage of the population of the planet Earth is that collateral damage? I don't know, but arguably messing with one person is too much. Well, yeah, yeah, that feels like you're changing the argument there, though. We're talking about <laughs> is it how many people's lives are different, not whether it's morally right or wrong. I immediately agree with you. He was doing the wrong thing, was God. Not a very good person there. But did he actually have an effect on many people's lives? Not really. Nah. What should we say, generously, a thousand? 
out of seven billion. Yeah, not even. Then add up all the rest of the multiverses and chuck all those planets in. Mm. Say you got a bit bored and create a few aliens one day because you wanted purple things instead of pink things, chuck a few of them in as well, and then <laughs> still about that, nothing. Well, factor in all the apocalypses. There was all these issues of everyone could have gone just to entertain God if Sam and Dean hadn't won, which they always did. Well, yeah, but if Jack brings everything back again, because they don't know that. Jack brings everybody back. Brilliant. Right, whose life is now consistently different in the universe of Jack compared to the universe of Chuck? Hardly anybody. Yeah, maybe there won't be any more apocalypses. Well. That'll make things a bit better for some people. We don't know, do we? We don't know what's happened to all the monsters, because presumably Jack left all the monsters in and people are still being horribly brutalised by vampires and werewolves. And this new standoff god who said, it's going to be a good thing that I'm standing back. I'm just going to watch a few babies being eaten by vampires. Yeah, that's fine. That's good. They'll get to prove themselves there. They'll be the best baby they could have been in the face of those long, dripping blood teeth. (laughs) So, yeah, come back to, I don't think they should have tried to do anything with the philosophy of it. Because that's not supernatural. Why bother? That's not who you are. You're not trying to go deep into the philosophy. Just leave it alone. Probably better. It's also the fact that literally nothing about his arc sets Jack up to be any kind of a competent god. He's still got this very like naive attitude to everything, and he's made more mistakes than he's done things right. And the fact that, oh, suddenly I've absorbed all of them and I, I know everything, and that has transformed me into someone else, it just feels quite cheap, considering we've spent the last three or four seasons building this up that could be part of it though as in i'm not an authority to run anyone's life so i'm leaving and just people can get on with it yeah i mean that was never said at any point but that could be it jack is humble enough to think i can't tell anyone what to do i'm two years old (laughs) see you later (laughs) but that's just another could be that's not something delivered to you as a possibility left open for you to discuss by the plot that's you trying to think if somebody asked me to explain this, how could I possibly do it? Mm. That's a different thing. The one thing that puzzled me, or one of the things that puzzled me, was that point in the season where God took Sam and Dean's plot armour away, where he hilariously had indigestion for the first time and all that. Oh, that was actually quite a nice little touch. I thought that was funny. But then they get their luck Yeah. And then it's gone. It's not referenced ever again. See, that's what I mean, though. Like that undoes God's work. How powerful are we meant to believe that God is? It's all very frustrating. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're probably always going to run into that when you're a villain, isn't it? Well, yeah. Yeah. How are we going to defeat them? These are just two guys. But that's why you have to use the rules of plotting. (laughs) I mean, I I, I totally understand why there shouldn't be rules of plotting, but it's that rules of human beings and how our emotions work. If you're going to do something like that, then set me up a rule set at the very start. All that the characters have to discover, maybe that is season 15, we now have to find out what the rules are that allow us to interact with God and beat him. So something like, God is constrained by the rules of storytelling and he's a hack writer. Right, now we've got a framework that we can then try and build around, whereas everything else leads to what Laura's just said. How am I supposed to believe this is actually a challenge? How am I supposed to feel satisfied by the victory in the end if it's all arm wavy and it could be anything? The only way out of it is to have stories that are like Dean Belch's for the first time and and, he can't eat his favourite food anymore. And if you can make that funny 
who cares how the plot is satisfying because you're having a laugh. But then I'll keep you heading into comedy and do you want to do that? So it was always going to be unsatisfying by the way they did. I don't believe God could be satisfying how they did it. Alita's ending of the, he essentially gets the opposite of what he's been used to. No one's going to ever pay attention to him again. He's going to be human, that thing he has serious contempt for. And that's it. His punishment is that he gets to live, gets to live his life. You know, that that was a good downfall for me. Oh, yeah, but I would have gotten just as much enjoyment out of that if you'd have just watched the episode for me and told me. <laughs> and I would say to you, yep, that's a good ending. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, it's good. No emotion there. I just agree with you. That's a good idea. Although there's no telling what will happen to him. Maybe he will make friends. He'll release the rest of the supernatural novels and become a billionaire. <laughs> oh, well, there's your spin-off. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, I don't know if I'd watch that one. He gets a redemption arc or something. Yeah, no. Yeah. I just want him to be miserable. <laughs> yeah, he will have people that are fans of the books, I guess. Yeah, just do a convention circuit, it'll be fine. Yeah. Maybe he just writes a book that everybody hates, and then <laughs> that's it. Yeah, shouldn't have written that follow-up book because everybody hated it. There you go. It's meta for season 15. <laughs> He ends up saying something awkwardly racist and then that's his life over. No one will mm. give him the time of day anymore. <laughs> I would have liked to see more of Amara. I think the way they got rid of her was less than good. Yeah, they I'll say. She is the only being in the universe that can match this. And then when she finds out that Dean lied to her, that's it, game over. Yeah, and the fact that she's supposed to be just as powerful as God, but he absorbs her and then remains the one in control. I was like, Mah. Yeah, I guess it's because she submitted, though. That'd be why she surrendered. But that's him. just so contrary to everything we've come to learn about the character. Especially after that conversation she has with Dean, where she says, no, you can't possibly understand what's going on here. I look human, but I'm not. I'm this much higher being that you can't understand. They're all human. <laughs> Do you know, it actually made sense. You know, when they said you go to church for the first time as a kid and you say humans are made in God's image. I totally get that now because Chuck is a human. Yeah. Amara is a human. And I thought that makes so much sense. It's naff, <laughs> but, but it's re really accurate. Got that, yeah. Yeah, definitely God is more human than he even thought of himself because he thought himself so far above everything. And then I suppose that ends up spearheading his downfall. But yeah, they could have done more to flesh out the lead up to it, I think. But at the same time, I liked what they did when they got there and enjoyed it. Shouldn't Amara have gotten more powerful as God was destroying worlds into nothingness? Because surely then she'd have, in the whole cosmic balance, she'd outweigh him, surely. Are you asking for a set of rules? That yes! <laughs> <laughs> I say we give you season 15 to just rewrite with like unlimited budget. <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine how much I'd screw that up, but it, <laughs> but I certainly might have wanted to give it to somebody else. <laughs> so let's talk about the ending then, the very last episode, the final episode. So Laura and I both enjoyed it. So Aaron, why don't you start us with why you hated it? I can go more into the hate. Do you know, you're going to put this onto the internet, right? And there are going to be 15 seasons worth of Supernatural fans that are going to hate me. <laughs> yeah, but you'll be lucky if there's 15 listeners, so <laughs> there's not going to be that many. All right, in that case, I'll vent my rage. <laughs> so the last episode is such a disappointment for me. 
And I actually feel that we're based on series 15. So I'm going to try and put the other series away and just think about series 15 and the ending because it's the lead up, obviously, to that final development for all of them. And what I thought when Dean is killed offhand in his first encounter after God was, well, that just makes the whole thing so completely pointless. I'm not actually upset that Dean dies in a vampire hunt. They always said that. Mm. Dean's going to die on the job. And Sam, we hope you're going to have a happy life. Got that. That actually makes a lot of sense to me. But in my head, it was like, yeah, at some point, a hunter just gets too old. You've said that with Bobby and Rufus. Great characters. I actually really enjoyed them. And they were like, we're getting old. These monsters are just as young and fast. And we're getting old. And at some point, a hunter just gets too old and they die. It's horrible, but they embrace it. And that's why they drink a lot. And that's fine. <laughs> so I'm totally on board for the fact that you die pointlessly in a meaningless hunt. And it's just the way of the wild because that's the way they live. But before all this comes the whole thing about, oh, my God, our lives were pointless because God wrote the whole script. Yay, we win. And now we get to write our own story. Great. What are you going to do? I'm going to have a bit of toast and I'm going to go out and I'm going to die, as was predicted, from season one. <laughs> and it's going to happen straight away. It felt like somebody had gone back through the old series and said, how is Dean supposed to die again? He's supposed to die on a hunt, you know. We said, that. oh, brilliant. We should just do that. We should just tick that box because that's what needs to happen now to finish his story. Because we're so good at plotting, we finish the story. And I thought, no, you've just fought God. You have just earned the right to craft your own story. And the first thing you do is do the story that was actually built for you by God all that time ago, because that's what we've been watching for 14 seasons. So why did we bother with God at all? That's just awful. It was just so heartbreaking to see them defeat the ultimate power in the universe and achieve nothing. This TV series, because as everybody knows, I hate fun, by the way, just in case people are listening to the podcast <laughs> and they, they don't know that. I hate fun, but Supernatural was something where I could actually put aside my need for these various different gritty stories that I actually prefer. And I could actually sit down and have some fun and really enjoy it. But then for some strange reason... They decide to do an ending that isn't fun, that completely undoes the whole point of the series that's left to it and doesn't give me anything new or interesting or thoughtful. It's just the plot that us, the fans, could have written. Dean dies on the hunt. It's a nice sleep, and that's it. It's so heartbreaking that they give him such an awful ending after he'd earned the right to have his own life. And if you want dark and gritty, which I love... I'm totally up for a bit of dark and gritty. It's miserable. Let's go away and cry together afterwards. I love that. But not from Supernatural, where I've, I've had 10 series worth of Scooby-Doo episodes and this, that, and the other. I'm up for a bit of joy here. Let's have them ride off into the sunset. They can now fight monsters on their own terms. Why do I need it wrapped up in a neat little bow? I know he's going to die on the hunt. You've not told me anything new there. I'm feeling the rage building. <laughs> I'm really feeling like they've taken 15 series worth of fun and enjoyment and just stabbed me with it. And it's just like, oh, how very dare you. Oh, and by the way, Sam gets a happy ending. Yay, brilliant montage. He sits with his son and teaches him maths. Yay. 
that was really emotional enjoying <laughs> enjoy and enjoy enjoyed that enjoyed seeing him teach math that was great but i will say see the acting for that scene where they do actually say goodbye the scene itself where dean dies really really good yeah the very final words he said broke me in half tell me it's okay and to me that's actually a bit personal because when my own dad died that's what we said to dad we said to him it's okay you can go well that's not gonna be a special thing i assume that quite a lot of people say that and maybe there's good reason for it but because it was so real oh that broke me that did to see him go so acting was great the way the plot was done, the fact that he dies on the hunt, I totally get that. He needs to do it. He needs to die pointlessly on the hunt because he's too old or something. I get that. That's the right thing to do. But to just surround it by all that disappointing, heartbreaking, just pointless nonsense. I was so disappointed. I couldn't even be angry at the time, but I can feel it now burning deep inside. So I'm going to shut up and you're going <laughs> to tell me why this was the best episode in the universe and why I was wrong. So before we get to that, what would you have liked instead? What would I have liked instead? I, I, I'm up, I, I don't know. I don't want to see it all wrapped up in a bow because I think it happens too quick. I think I wouldn't have minded some hints. I don't know how you do it. I'm not sure if I'm up for words on a screen, but I wouldn't have minded some hints that Dean couldn't give up hunting. Maybe there's a choice, right? They show you some sort of montage of them living happily for a bit getting drawn back into the hunt the monsters are still out there what are we going to do and they do the sort of sam beckett thing where they make it clear that dean cannot give up the hunt and you just know that he dies you don't see it you don't need to see it you're just given the tragedy that he cannot stop saving people because that's who he is and it's a good thing that that's who he is and we are happy that he is out there he is doing that for us and the fact that he dies doing it is tragic, but we're all like, but that's our Dean and we love him for it. And you see another choice where at some point between the two of them, Sam says, I've done my bit. I am not going to go the Sam Beckett route. I've done my bit. I'm going to have kids now. And maybe Dean says, I'm happy for you and I'm glad you're going to do that because one of us should. And I always wanted that for you. And so they get exactly the same ending but I want them to have time to actually make that victory over God meaningful. They get to choose that lifestyle because it's who they are and they want to do it. And then it plays out and that can be off camera. And it would have given me the happiness of knowing that they got to be who they wanted to be. But it would have given me the sorrow, of course, that Dean can't get away from it and he still dies. And I would have felt something other than just that one moment. Do you know what I want? I wanted something that was going to be with me for the rest of my life. I've been with this for 15 years, mm. and this is not going to be with me for the rest of my life. This is going to be, somebody says, do you remember how Supernatural ended? And I'll be going like, oh, hang on, hang on. I know this, I know this. <laughs> like a pub quiz question. I've got it. Come back to me in a minute. And it, it doesn't mean anything. So what did I want? I wanted season 15 to have purpose. And then the ending they gave me, I want to know that that comes later. Give him 20 years. Give Dean a tragic ending, but at least he got to choose it. So, yeah, more. I wanted more. Okay. You have made your point. Yeah, I feel drained. <laughs> Get some rest now, I think. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like you've reached that resolution that we teased earlier in the podcast. I think so. Yeah, well, we succeeded. Fair enough. It was an intervention that we can end now. <laughs> so, Laura, what did you think? What was your 
views on that finale. And the funny thing is, I fully agree with everything that Aaron just said, but as an overall takeaway, I felt more positively about it. I think uh, maybe it's down to managing my expectations because, you know, this has been going on for 15 years. The show's not been at its peak for quite a while. And I love all the characters. It's a lot of fun to watch and it means a lot in that sense, but it comes back to plot again, doesn't it? It's not been an optimal performance in a few seasons now. And I think because of that and knowing, you know, the fan base that goes behind it, knowing the team of writers that would be working on it, I wasn't expecting all my needs to be met. And I think that's probably why as a finale, the very end point of it was where I wanted to get. And I didn't expect the journey to be flawless. But like you said, it's it's all been building up to Dean being a hunter and dying on the hunt and then Sam wanting another life beyond it. And we got that. And I totally agree that it's a disappointing. And the fact that they go on a hunt, I don't know what, like two days after losing everyone they love. And it's, and it's like, bam, bam. How long it is at the start. It could be weeks, could be whatever. But yeah. It's, well, it's not years. And years is yeah. what it should have been. They need time to heal and to readjust. And like it's been said, to write their own story, which sounds really cliche, but they framed it like that. Like I said, it all felt very rushed. I think it, it would have benefited from being stretched out over at least a couple episodes. I remember messaging you when they denounced the time slot for the finale and they were like oh it's two hours and I was like oh my god two hours yeah that sounds perfect and then obviously it was one hour retrospective which I didn't know and I was like oh well then yeah I don't see how they're gonna wrap this up <laughs> the age of feature length finales is over I think I think that ended but it would have benefited so much in this particular instance you give them well, it would amount to what like 90 minute a 90 minute finale is exactly not only what it needed, but quite genuinely what it deserved after such a long run. I think it would have been a lot more satisfying and it would have helped sort of sell the ending. That's what it is, I think. It's about selling the very final end point. You get there, but if it doesn't feel like you've earned it. It's very like you're charting different points on a page and you're just going straight line to straight line. There's no artistry to it, it's just very direct. But I think overall, I think by the by the time I watched the finale, I was still very bitter about how Cass's ending was handled. I never really cared about Jack, to be quite honest. So I was just, yeah, still very bitter about that. And that kind of put me in a mood through which to sort of like view the rest of it. But yeah, long rant short. <laughs> I was happy with Dean dying. I was happy with Dean dying on the job. At last, been waiting 15 years. Ah, yes. <laughs> and then... Always hating <laughs> And then Sam having a family growing old. That was always the best outcome that we could hope for. But yeah, it's just the way they got there just didn't sit right. So it sounds like different aspects of it have resonated with each of us differently mm. or not resonated in Aaron's case in some ways. So I'm from the perspective of having enjoyed the final season. I thought Cassie's 
quote-unquote death was handled well. I liked where Jack ended up. So I was kind of along for the ride. I didn't really have any issues with what they were doing. I liked it all fine. And the finale, by the time we got there, because we wrapped up the God plot in the previous episode, my thinking was, what the hell are they going to do with this finale? Because even the last couple of minutes of that penultimate episode feel like an ending. As in, look, we're going on the road, driving into the sunset. There's a montage of stuff that happened in previous seasons. Yeah. You could stop watching the show there and be like, well, okay, that was an ending. I should have done that. <laughs> <laughs> Then you would always wonder. That's After that, I was like, okay, the final episode is going to serve as something of an epilogue, which is what Arrow did. Arrow wrapped itself up, well, in a crossover, really. But that's another longer story that I've already recorded, so listen to that if you want to hear about it. So they used the final episode as a farewell, and that's what Supernatural did. It followed that model, and when it started off with them just doing their day-to-day stuff, it kind of brought us back to that season one. This is their day job. They get up, they get ready, they go and they do their investigations. They pretend to be FBI guys with weird names. They check dad's journal because the answer's in there somewhere, etc., etc. Despite the fact that they resent the whole notion of a normal nine-to-five working life, they actually have one and have always had one. It's just unconventional in the way that they go from place to place and hunt monsters. But there is a process that they follow every day. It's the, okay, it's a ghost. We need to find the body. We need to salt and burn it. And then we're done. And then we can go to the pub. That's what we'll do. Or we'll go get pancake or pie or whatever unhealthy thing Dean wants to put inside himself. (laughs) So the finale doing that really worked for me. And it's like, okay, we're hunting vampires. And the answer's in Dad's journal. That book is still useful after 15 years somehow. Still stuff in there that we haven't finished yet. (laughs) We've even got a callback to someone you won't remember from season one, which was common in later Supernatural, where you would see previously on Supernatural, and they would call back to something that I don't even remember because it's been that long since I've seen it. So Dean's like, hey, hey, it's you. We met you back in season one. And then they even had to show the point where she appeared. (laughs) I had to look it up. She was in the episode Dead Man's Blood, which again, referenced in the episode. They haven't used Dead Man's Blood to stop a vampire in its tracks in a while. So... You had all this, yeah, we're doing a season one plot again. This is us. And then it's the, again, the, the whole working life thing. Dean dies just on a normal day. And people have argued all the stuff they faced, this is what gets them. And yeah, that's valid. If you think that there should have been more occasion to his death, then fine. I understand that. But I like the notion of just a normal day. It started off as any normal day. No one expected it. Dean even says, I didn't think it would be today, mm. but it is. And that's what happens. Sometimes you wake up in the morning and then you go about your day and then something horrible happens that you didn't think about and then it changes your life forever. And that's essentially what happened there. And it was always going to happen. I suppose with God gone, they kind of lost their plot armor as well. So they were more susceptible to just accidents causing problems for them. And that's exactly what happens, just bad luck. So I was fine with that as a thing that happened. Sam deciding, my heart's not in this anymore without Dean. I'm going to switch the lights off. I might go kill these werewolves or whatever's plaguing this phone call that we had. And and that phone call establishes that Donna's still alive. So at least some people came back over a lingering question that we didn't get answered in the previous episode, etc., etc. And to echo Aaron's thoughts, I thought that speech was really well done. The however many minutes, five or so minutes it was, was really well done, that scene between them. And then Dean's scene in heaven as well was great. Mm. With Bobby, that was a really good one. 
And it's really hilarious how he's obviously sitting more than two metres away from him. (laughs) (laughs) You see all the little COVID things creeping in when you know about it. And I think the fact that it was such a Spartan finale has something to do with that as well. But at the same time, I try not to let real world considerations affect my thinking about something it's like well it's okay that this was crap because the real world got in the way but i usually think these problems are more of an opportunity to be creative rather than an excuse because people visiting the show in five years time won't know about covid impacting its filming so not that i thought anything was bad because oh they clearly couldn't do this because of reduced capacity on filming and things like that but i don't think it lost them anything i mean we might have had more cameos dean's funeral might have been a really well attended cameo fest otherwise but having just sam and the dog there was powerful in itself and then seeing sam play out his whole life there was three montages in the episode which i did notice too many it's too many montages for a single episode but sam going through his life as dean is driving and then Dean doesn't have time to miss him, but Sam has his whole life. Well, it's a bit like Titanic in a way, isn't it, the ending? Mm. But yeah, I thought it was really well done. It really went for me. It really resonated with me. And I will remember it. I think I'll remember it as being one of the better final episodes I've seen. And it didn't sour me on the show any. It gave me an ending. I wouldn't have minded if it had been the, yeah, they drive off and they're just going on normal hunts now. There's no more apocalypses. There's just the day-to-day to deal with now, and that's it. And they can do that as long as they like. And as Aaron said, eventually something will get them because they're old. Remember, Bobby's death didn't really have any occasion to it. He just kind of got shot, and that was him. Mm. Again, it was bad luck. Yeah. And then he kept coming back because <laughs> because it's Bobby. I'm going to come back as a ghost. I'm going to help you with a jailbreak in heaven. I'll do all this. And even then... At the end, it's like, yeah, I've been dead for years, but I'm still here to greet you when you reach heaven. The the fact that heaven was fixed as well because of choices that they made and things they set up was, I think, a nice coda in terms of what they've achieved. Yeah. I was happy with it. Word has to be made of the second good thing as well. That's unfair of me to say that because you won't number it to two. The other thing that I really liked about the episode is when he gets his car and he opens the door and what music is playing. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, that's what I want from this episode. Yeah. Yeah. And the fact that they don't give you that in the road so far part at the beginning, mm. like they did on every other finale except season one. Yeah. 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 I'm guessing everyone at that point would be like, how dare they not play Carry On Wayward Son huh. in the, <laughs> the opening of the episode like they do in every other finale. And then it's because they're going to give you this instead. Yeah, that was a nice bit. Made it feel different. And then you get the melancholy version at the end as well. Which was so good. That was such a good version. I was so happy with that song choice. For me, that was up there with that rendition of Oh Death, where Death comes in in his white car back in yeah. season, what was it, four or something. Yeah, one thing that this show does really well is its musical moments. The music is first rate. Yeah. The greatest hits of mullet rock, I think, <laughs> called it in the first episode. <laughs> So did you not find it frustrating at all then that this whole time they're working towards basically earning the right to tell their own story without God playing puppeteer in the back and yet Dean never gets to reap the benefits of that when he was the one who was most hell-bent and distraught about the idea that his whole life had been predestined? and pre-plotted and then he finally does away with that it basically comes down to that recurring theme of him 
being a slave to like a father figure, really, and being unable to assert his own independence. And then it just feels like his whole arc is building up to him making his own choices. And then next day he's dead. Well, God wanted the Cain and Abel story to play out with them. So in that sense, he didn't play that out. They didn't do that. It didn't frustrate me. I did think about it because weirdly, as it was happening, I was like, hang on, is this it? Things were racing through my head as to what do I think about this? And what, you know, and then to me, it just made the most sense. And I do feel like they were doing what they wanted anyway. Mm. They're going on that hunt because they've chosen to, just like they did with any other hunt, I guess. But they know that there's nothing behind it. And then they get to go to the pie festival, which is definitely deemed mm-hmm. And then he gets a pie in the face, which you shouldn't let them away with, but do because it is actually very funny. Mm. Especially because he eats it as well after it's in, on his face. Just no waste. <laughs> doesn't waste a pie. <laughs> My issue was never that he chooses to then go hunting again. It was more the fact that so little time went by. It goes back to that being so immediate. There's absolutely no time that passes or you say like it could be a few weeks but when i say time passes i I mean i wanted at least five years to like jump by and see them a bit happy but not all that different because i think that's an important distinction to make as well is that this has been their whole life this whole time you can't expect things to just magically become perfect but yeah just sort of a little bit more grizzled a little bit more tired (laughs) A little bit less like a tick box exercise. <laughs> I, I guess it didn't bother me because it emotionally hit me in the right way, which is what they want. It's what the writers want, I guess, and maybe I fell for it. Mm. But at the same time, it still doesn't bother me. No, I'll give you that, though. The death scene with Dean and Jensen's and Jared's performances were spot on, and I think that was a big part of redeeming the episode. Yeah. They went through the whole, I'll find a way, I'll get help, I'll do something. It's like, no, don't do that. Yeah. It never ends well. Because we've had that. We've had the epic sacrifices. We've had the epic deaths. We've had all that. Over 15 years, we've had everything. Mm. So, yeah, what's left? It would almost seem like a cop-out if Dean died in some world-saving event. Because we've seen him do that before. Mm. Numerous times. There was episodes mid-season where they both died. It just became so trivial. Although they did put death on the table as a major threat again at some point because they had to because yeah we can't just have them dying every other week because it's getting ridiculous. I don't know. Maybe if the emotional resonance wasn't there, then I would be questioning what the actual story was more. And I have had those questions. And then ultimately I have to decide, did it bother me? And no, it didn't. Because what I got out of it was so much more than seeing Dean try to build a life in some way and whatever else. We'll see what his reflection on having the right to choose what he wants to do with his life is. Mm. They could have maybe done a bit more with Sam's life, I guess, but I'm not going to forgive that because COVID is a thing that's happening. He has a son and they seem close and stuff, but then you have this woman in the background that's out of focus. You don't know who she is and she isn't in any photos Mm. in, in his house either. Again, it's the Titanic thing. Did Rose just forget her family that she built and went back for Jack and the afterlife you know that kind of ending but I think people want to choose to believe that it was Eileen because they brought her back early in the season and that would have been easy enough they could have done a photoshop of her in a photo or something like that if they really wanted to go down that route I guess there's a whole series about Sam readjusting to normal life what does he do 
Yes, yeah, true. He's even called Sam anymore because I think the name Sam Winchester is very well and truly taken <laughs> by all the stuff they've done. Because they've been wanted for murder. They were wanted for killing the president, you know. Oh, God, yeah, I forgot about that. That that was an out-there plot point. <laughs> Where they spend months in a bunker, like this black site, that they escape. Yep. So you have to assume that he's living under an assumed name, sort of like Hunter Witness Protection. <laughs> <laughs> I guess Sam's smart enough he could do that. Just gets a fake ID and lives as someone else for a while. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. But yeah, effective ending for me. And I do understand all the criticisms and I understand that not everybody for a show that's run this long is going to get what they wanted out of it and not everyone is going to be satisfied by something. So I think the fact that it's as divisive as it is is as expected, to be honest, Mm -hmm. because there's so much weight of expectation on it. But there's only been one finale out of the four this year that I've not liked. So there we go. Was it the 100? It was the hundred. Yeah, yeah. It's just checking. <laughs> yeah, Arrow was great. Agents of Shield was great. This was great for me. The hundred, no. Mm. Anything else on the ending? Mm, uh, just to mention it again, I did like what they did with Heaven in the end, making it seem less like an industrial complex and more like a naturalistic spiritual plane. I thought that was commendable. It comes with its own issues, that whole idea of, I I don't know, it's that whole thing of how much is life really worth if you're just going to be dying and getting a better life up there. But that's way deeper issues than anything that Supernatural could ever, ever be expected to address. Well, if you want to see an exploration of that idea, watch the finale of The Good Place. Uh, Do you know what? I still haven't watched that last season. So yeah, maybe I will. They go into the what is eternal happiness and can you get bored? With yeah, okay. So Supernatural season sixteen, when they revive it in ten years because <laughs> Jared and Jensen aren't making money anymore, will be we're bored with heaven. What do we do? Can't wait. <laughs> How do we get back to Earth? Or since we're in heaven, we can conjure up hunts. It just sounds dead, exhausting, doesn't it? Just life forever. Yeah, the good place really goes into mm. that. So I'd recommend that. Then they just go to the empty and they're like, "Will you have us, please? I want to sleep." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, just put me to sleep for <laughs> an eternity. I don't know, wake me up every once in a while, <laughs> and then, then I'll come back. But I don't know, it's an open question. Isn't it? Are they going to be satisfied with heaven? And that's fine. This is way meta. Like, this is not yeah. supernatural chat. This is a whole religious chat. Like, get a priest on here, get his opinion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. or just watch the finale. Of the or that. Everybody issues pretty well. I love how your alternative to religion is oh just watch the finale of the good place and all your answers will be met gives me more than the good book ever (laughs) (laughs) i'm pleased i've only angered the fan base of supernatural whereas you've angered the fan base of all christianity (laughs) i'm going to come off much better here i'm just going to hide behind you i think supernatural already did that anyway because they made god a bad guy so I went to uni with someone that said they were never going to watch Supernatural because they were treating Christianity as if it was a true religion. It's like, no, they're not. They're mining it for story. That's a very strange qualm to have with the whole thing. Uh, Yeah, well, he was a very strange guy. I'm not going to watch it for this reason. And he's very anti-religion, so he was. So it's, yeah, so you should watch this then because so were they. I feel like he's limiting himself quite a bit given how almost everything has some kind of religious allegory to it, but... Anyway. Yeah, just reminded me there. They also did mind story from other religions as well. 
So in Supernatural, all religions are true to some extent. Yeah, I actually really like I always wish they'd gone more into it rather than just nods. Yeah. Well, yeah, they didn't actually. They brought the others in, but they made it very clear that Christianity is correct and all the other religions are wrong. Mm. They didn't ever say it that way, so I'm not saying they did it. But if you're trying to think of it in terms of did it actually give you a world religion? No, it didn't. It was a Christian show. It was a Western show. I mean, every culture tells stories in their own milieu. That's fine. That is. But we couldn't claim that it was trying to show us all world religions because... We had a very Christian God. We had the angels as they were in a very Christian setup. We didn't even really take on the angels as they are in Judaism or Islam. They were the Christian archangels. Yeah. So they just mined the other faiths for their beasts, really, and some gods as well from ancient worlds. Mm. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying you know, I don't think you could argue that it was a diverse religious one. It was very much a, a Western Christian one. And, and therefore it fits in the culture that it was aimed at. Yeah. So have you anything else on the ending, or will we move on to talking about the show at large? Oh, no, move on. I'm afraid I can only give you two good things I liked, and I'd rather end on. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking about the car driving away with the song, so I'm, I'm happy now. <laughs> oh, that was a nice touch. Yeah. I think we can all agree on that. <laughs> That's my ending. That's good. Yes. And I actually like the crew all lining up at the end. Blah, the reduced blah, crew. But, yeah. No, car song. Car song. <laughs> Okay. So the show ran for a while. We all watched it for varying periods of time. I started watching Supernatural when I was 17. Just about 18, but 17. So almost half my life has been spent watching this show. I mean, not exclusively, but <laughs> regularly for 15 years. So what drew you to the show initially? Why did you start watching it? And what was your kind of ongoing relationship to it? So Aaron, you can start. Supernatural opened with its five-season arc in a much darker light. Is that even a way of saying it? It was a much darker show. <laughs> and I've always preferred my shows a bit more that way. If I want a comedy, I want a comedy, and I'll watch that, and that's brilliant. I like comedies. But I kind of got into that gritty setup. I mean, it was grim, by the way. If a demon wants to possess you, that's it. You lose. Mm. It's over. You can't fight it. So all the normal humans that were going around, they were really in trouble. And then up comes Sam and Dean, and they actually rescued people. And sometimes they didn't. Sometimes really horrible things occur. And in fact, we've picked out one of our favorite drama episodes for you to bring up later. I'll come back to this point when we do that, because it really shows how grim the world was. And I kind of liked seeing two people fighting against the odds trying to make it better, knowing that they couldn't solve everything, but everywhere they went, at least they made that bit better for the survivors. And it gives me that entertainment because there's a bit of humor in it, obviously. It's possibly the same feeling you get when you watch superheroes. These are the people that can go out there and make a difference in a way that maybe you couldn't. So you get a bit of that wish fulfillment in it. So enough of the realism. I still like my supernatural shows and definitely seasons one to five were something that really pulled me in. Maybe after that, I started to lose my connection to it. Okay. Laura, what's yours? Gosh, that was a while ago. <laughs> I want to say I started watching it around when the fourth season was airing. So not that I just jumped into the fourth season, but season four was airing. I think someone I knew might have suggested it or whatever and then I started 
from the beginning and caught up. And then kind of watched it as it was airing until maybe season 11. And then for some unknown reason, didn't come back to it until this year's lockdown and then did a whole entire rewatch and caught up. So, yeah, essentially watched it as it was airing between seasons four and 11. And then everything else was just binge watching. I mean, I was what, like 14, 13 or something? I do not remember who suggested or how I came across it the first time. That was a while ago. Okay, but what drew you to it? What kept you watching? Oh, what kept me watching? Oh, definitely the characters, isn't it? I don't see what else the answer could be. If you've stuck with it for 15 seasons, it's because you love the characters. And yeah, like I totally agree that I think as a self-contained show, the first five seasons are excellent. And I kind of wish that they kept up that sense of consequence. The fact that there's not always a solution and there's not always a way to make it better, I thought was always great. But then again... You can't go 15 seasons with everything being very nihilistic. <laughs> Although that's what Aaron wants. So <laughs> maybe you can. You know what? I don't think it would have lasted that long. But then again, that might not even be a bad thing. I'm super happy for all the fun that we've had over the last 15 years, but it was at its best in its first five seasons. And I think that's just a fact. And any other opinion is wrong. <laughs> I actually think that the quality is sort of variable. Yeah, the first five seasons are great, but even within that, there are sort of peaks and troughs. But then after that, you see it hit the depths and then climb to the highs again just several times as it goes along. It's been running so long and it's been through so many creative teams that there's just quite a variance of quality, as you would expect from something that runs this long. I mean, it's unprecedented in the sense of the genre it's in. Sure, yeah. My relationship with the show started in a weird way because... I was watching Smallville, which is a show I love still, and in season four, Jensen Ackles was a main character in it. Mm. And then he's hastily written out because he was hired to be on Supernatural. (laughs) So he just kind of gets hand-waved away at the end because he's away doing prep for that show and things like that. It's quite funny. It's just this character that's so prominent, just disappears, and then it's kind of killed off-screen almost. Not almost, he actually is. (laughs) I think there's like a newspaper report in the fifth season of Smallville that confirms that he's now dead, but you don't know for sure until that point. I really liked him in Smallville. And it turns out I'd seen him in a bunch of stuff before Smallville as well, without realising it, Dark Angel and so on. I'd watched bits and pieces of that years prior. So all I knew at this point is he's going to be in a new show called Supernatural. And I was like, well, what's this? And for whatever reason, I didn't look up what's the show going to be about. It was just the title, Supernatural. And I was like, I'll give this a watch. Why not? Download it legally in 2005, (laughs) as you can do. (laughs) That was totally a thing you could do in 2005. And I watched it and I still think the first episode is overall kind of naff because it's just a random ghost hunt. I think the setup is really good. The opening scene where their house burns down and all that and then establishing them as brothers and all this stuff. But I think the actual hunt in the first episode is kind of boring. I always think a show is judged more in its second episode than in its first episode because the first episode has so much legwork to do that you almost don't get a full sense of what it is. But the Wendigo episode is actually still one of my favourites. I think it's a great showcase for what the show can be and became. And I still think that. And I kept watching it and I was 
drawn to it and it became a joke at some point. It's all good. Supernatural's getting another season somehow. Hmm. We're on 12 for some reason. As you go through the seasons, it's like, this keeps getting renewed. Do the network execs know it's still on? Are they just making it and no one's noticing? And it definitely ran far longer than anyone could ever expect it to, which is strange in itself. You have to wonder why this show... I mean, the, the real reason is it's relatively cheap to produce and it pulls in enough ratings to keep it on the air. That's the reason it stuck around so long, broadly speaking, but it's just weird that they didn't decide to get rid of it or the actors didn't decide to move on before this point. Yeah. It is what it is. So my relationship to it is it's just something that I consistently watched and it entertained me consistently for 15 years. And I can't imagine a year without Supernatural to look forward to. <sighs> In another universe, we're heading up to the hiatus of season 16 now. <sighs> So that time of year. So that's kind of my relationship to it and something I'll really miss. It's just there's going to be a big hole in my entertainment life now that is gone. And I don't know what that means for me. Maybe I'll just stop watching TV altogether. (laughs) It's over. (laughs) So that's that. That's my long-winded relationship to the show. So favourite episodes then. Let's get on to some favourite episodes. Aaron, you teased us with your favourite dramatic one, so go ahead, give us that. So I've picked out The Girl Next Door, which I'm afraid I failed to pick out what season that was in. I don't know if you can just do that off the top of your head, Craig. I don't know the show that well, I'll confess. No, but anyway, the reason I picked it out is because it is part of that early setup where really nasty things happen and people are trying to find their way in the world and they have to make some pretty serious choices season seven by the way season seven yeah it it recaptures that early feeling and the ending of the episode where dean has to make this really difficult choice is to me something that i was glad to see because i wanted to see more of it because it goes away from the latter seasons in the later seasons i'm still watching crowley and castiel because they're really fun to watch mm-hmm. and i really get a good laughs out of watching their stuff you know quotes one-liners jokes and so on they were great but the girl next door is brutal where he has to make that choice at the end of whether he's gonna let this good monster live or not and sam is of course the kind-hearted person who says yep this monster has proved himself to be good i'm gonna let them live so Dean sneaks back later and kills her because he's practical, you know. And you've got that, as you said earlier, the dichotomy between the two of them. They're both on opposite sides. And then to make it even worse, the woman's kid turns out to have watched the whole execution and is going to be scarred by it for the rest of his life. And you're thinking, this kid has to come back. This has <laughs> to haunt Dean. This is going to be horrible. He has to regret having killed a mother in front of their child and the kid has to be completely scarred and of course nothing like that ever happens and they never come back and we don't come back to it and dean has no guilt at all so it's fine (laughs) but it should have been it was that series one through five where these really nasty things happen and as laura says there is consequence to this this is the world you live in and you have to face it and that to me was everything the supernatural that originally attracted me it wrapped up everything that was the supernatural that originally attracted me and as you say the show remade itself it remade itself into a fun show but i do remember that older show and i I really liked it because obviously i like really horrible things (laughs) no idea i don't know why but it, it was powerful it was a really powerful ending that you took away with you 
which is, you know, maybe what I asked for for the end of Series 15, and maybe I can't have that because that show is gone. But if I watch again, I'll go back to something like The Girl Next Door because of that, because of that power. Cool. Any other dramatic episodes stood out to you? I don't know. I think I'm happy with my one choice for the reason that I give, because it's the connection to the whole show comes through that. I'm not going to be able to pick out anything stronger than that, I don't think. So I kind of want it to stand by itself. Maybe one day we can return and do a bit of a supernatural draft where we just talk about individual specific episodes. Yeah, just give me time to watch 15 series worth of stuff again in a rewatch, <laughs> and then I'm totally off of that. Yeah, well, I'll give you a couple of months. Yeah. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> Another lockdown, you ought to do it. This doesn't bear thinking about. Laura, any major episodes that stood out to you, the dramatic ones? When you say stood out to me, what I hear is ones that I remember very, very well because they stick in your head. So it's really no measure for which ones I think are of highest quality or whatever. So yeah, Swan Song, the finale of season five, I think is one of those that... (laughs) I mean, it's, it's an episode that has issues like any other, but it's also one that felt like we'd genuinely been building up to it for seasons and it felt like a proper climax to everything from the mythology having been developed to the character arcs to everything else all coming together I think just made it such a standout episode and yeah I think in terms of dramatic episodes that'd be my pick not particularly original but (laughs) (laughs) no I think the finales were largely very good I remember back to the season three finale where Dean is so close to his contract coming due Mm. and they're scrambling to just this one final push to just try and stop it. And then they fail. Oh man, those were simpler times. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, After the yellow-eyed demon has been killed, I forget his name, he was named eventually. Azazel or something. Something like that, yeah. And then turns out he wasn't the only yellow-eyed demon and whatever. Yeah, there was, I mean, they dug into that quite significantly and there was time travel that allowed him to come back and all this stuff. So, But that was a really strong point for me. But the one episode, I mean, I didn't even get the chance to rewatch it, but one that I really remember is one where Dean has to become a Reaper for an episode. Oh, that was a really good one. Yeah, it was a really brutal one where he had to reap people that he didn't feel deserved it. And the episodes that tested their morality were always interesting. Because they would sometimes do pretty horrible stuff to people in the name of saving others. And it was typically Dean would make the tough choices, although Sam had his flirtations with a lack of morality as well. Especially when he didn't have a soul. Remember that for a while? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Then at that point, yeah, that's a whole other conversation. (laughs) So that's a really strong one for me, the one where Dean has to be a reaper. That is one that really stands out. I think there's a lot of really good ones in the first few seasons. I like the typical sort of monster hunts the bank heist one mm. is one of my early favorites and that sort of brings in my favorite monster my favorite monster was the shapeshifter because it allowed the characters to have a look at themselves because they would gain the understanding of who they are and able to say things that are uncomfortable to hear in their own voice and things so that was a monster i always think they did well mm-hmm whenever they did it, and they did it a lot. Yeah, a lot more earlier than later, though. I feel like that kind of dropped off. Yeah, I mean, there's only so many times that a monster can look Dean in the eye and tell him that he thinks he's a scumbag. (laughs) He thinks he has so much self-loathing. There's only so many times you can do that, but I think each time they did it, it was particularly effective. There's tons of others. Some of my knowledge of Supernatural episode is years old because I haven't seen them. Yeah, I mean, like it's kind of impossible to pick one favourite 
when there's what 350 episodes or something like that <laughs> yeah but yeah those two are particular standout the finales i think the finales were always well not always but largely very good mm. because they often wouldn't go the way you expected them to and there would often be this consequence that they have to deal with in the next season dean having a year to live for example that was a really good through line the mark of kane stuff was always really good when they did that i really liked that stuff so yeah Meta episodes then, these must stick in the brain much more prominently. Mm. So, Aaron, any favourite meta episodes? Well, I guess I always prefer the drama, but if I have to pick out a comedy episode, then I don't think that's going to be much better than the French mistake for me. <laughs> if you're going to do something, just really go for it. Yeah. Right <laughs> as far as you can. And it's just a series of jokes. And I was up for that. My drama episode is from the early series. My meta episode is from the later series because that's what the show then was. And it's like, yeah, let's just have some fun here. Let's have some real joke. Misha with his texting <laughs> really put everything in. You know, oh, you live here. You married Ruby. Everything is funny about keeping alpacas. <laughs> yeah, everything yeah. is funny about that episode. So it doesn't matter what your connection to the show is. I think you can always get something out of that one. Yeah. Laura, what are your favourite meta moments? Yeah, I don't even have to think about it. It's 100% the French mistake. I think I've watched that episode upwards of 10 times. <laughs> you know one of those things where you go to when you're feeling a bit shit? And you're like, oh, I just want something that's going to really cheer me up. Not even just something that's mildly entertaining, but something that you know you're going to laugh. That's always been my one. It's brilliant in every way and genuinely can't fault it. And there's never a time where I don't find it hilarious. So, okay, I have to give mention to Scooby Natural. That was just great. It was everything that I wanted it to be, pretty much. That episode. It's just they're in a Scooby Doo cartoon and it's animated, mm. and the mystery machine can outrun the Impala, <laughs> and Dean gets to eat a big sandwich <laughs> <laughs> and, and dislocate his jaw doing it and things like that. I think some of the earlier ones were pretty good. The rabbit's foot one that gets me every time. Oh yeah, I was like, oh, I lost my yeah. shoe. Yeah, Sam losing a shoe, but a fire starts in the hotel room when he doesn't do anything, things like that. Yeah, that really gets me every time. I think it's a really funny episode. The episode with the wishing well, with the alcoholic. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> it blows its brains out. That's so funny as well. Just any trickster episode, the time loop. It's one of the best time loop episodes ever made. Mystery spot in season three. Mm. Where Dean just dies repeatedly, falls over in the shower, eats something that doesn't agree with him. Just every possible death scenario you could think of, that's a great one. That was actually one of the few meta-comedy episodes that actually had quite a bit of an emotional punch. Yeah, Sam gets to see what his life would be like without Dean in it, just a bit earlier than he anticipated, I guess. So yeah, there is that bit of it, but it's a good time loop episode. I like time loop stories anyway. Mm. I always enjoy them, mm. or mostly enjoy them. The one where they're on a movie set and a real ghost attacking it, that was quite funny because they were just making fun of the horror tropes, which is what they were doing anyway. They always drive into town and they encounter horror movie characters, but then they roll up and they know what they're doing, whereas those people don't. So holding up a mirror to itself and saying, yeah, we know what this is. We know what the, the tropes are and we're playing with them in different ways. Yeah, there's so many good meta episodes. Changing channels where they're going through oh, different yeah. styles of TV show. See, I even remember the titles because they stand out so much. 
There were so many of them, so many good ones. It became a show that could get away with anything. Whenever they decided to go meta, mm. they could get away with anything. And then the French mistake was the culmination of that, basically. We're going to have them appear in a world where people think they're the actors that play them. <laughs> <laughs> and then they refer to it later when they discover Apocalypse World. It's, Remember that world where everyone thought we were actors? <laughs> yeah. I think they work well because they're self-contained and so you don't have to deal with that whole plotting consequence, lack of consequence, whole debate. It's just an hour in which the writers are clearly just having a lot of fun. And I think that's why they work so well. Yeah, plus you can get away with it because it's magic. Yeah, And this is a filler episode, essentially, and we're just going to do this with this filler episode because we can. Mm. So I already pointed out my favourite monster. Uh, Laura, what was your favourite monster or monster? How big are we talking? Like, does, I don't know, Crowley count as a monster? Was he a big, bad kind of character? I would call him a non-main character. Right, right, right. Okay, so we're talking like monster monsters. Oh, can you come back to me? (laughs) Aaron, have you prepared? I've picked the Hellhounds. Okay. Because... Oh, probably for a bit of a cheap reason, really. But after 15 seasons of watching every single monster have super strength and telekinesis, you know, how do they defeat <laughs> Dean? They throw him against a wall by waving their hand. It's, oh, no, stop it. <laughs> and a lot of the monsters have super strength and they've just got slightly different teeth. It's fun when something like the leprechaun comes along and they actually get real mythology in it by fairies have to stop and count grains. Yeah. That That is something that you have this connection to old folklore, and I really like that stuff. There's no difference between an angel and a demon, but the colours. <laughs> one's white, one's black. And it kind of doesn't matter, because again, as long as it's fun. But because of that, I personally prefer the monsters that stand out, and the hellhounds were always very noticeably different. And, and I, yeah, I definitely enjoyed that. And it was the budget thing of you just never saw them. Well, you did eventually, you saw the kind of cloudy dog shape thing, but initially it was always point of view shot or just an invisible threat as well. But it is scarier. Early on, the demons were terrifying because they could just possess you and you stood no chance. That is terrifying for that lack of choice. And when you start to get to the point where any monster can knock you out, but it's okay, they've knocked you out because they want a talking scene. So (laughs) the plot will save you. Or don't worry, this monster is just going to throw you against the wall with some telekinesis. It won't hurt. You can get up again in a minute. So there's no threat anymore. But when you've got this invisible force that you can't fight and it's going to drag you away kicking and screaming, that's where you get back to that real terror. Mm -hmm. Um, So they stand out for me for that reason. There's the ones that stood out for bad reasons for me as well. Things like dragons. So, oh, we get to see dragons. Oh, it's just yeah. a guy. We don't have that kind of money. <laughs> Somehow mythology has them as these giant fire-breathing lizards. But it's, again, it's just another guy in muted colours and jeans that breathes fire. There's a few things like that. Werewolves aren't what you would expect them to be because they just grow long nails or whatever. And the way they play around with the lore sometimes, as in all the vampire stuff that you know is crap, the only way to defeat them is by cutting their heads off, really. Stake through the hearts, nonsense and all that stuff. So the way they would play around with the popular assumptions was good as well, to give you their own spin on certain things. Mm-hmm. So now that you've had some time to think, Laura, you got it? <laughs> yeah, I think overall as a monster species, I think the djinn were a very interesting one. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were a good way of exploring like, internal conflicts with the characters, basically. Maybe you don't spend as much time with them as actual monsters as you would others, but... 
I think as almost like a plot device, I thought they tended to be used to great effect. They only appeared once or twice as well, didn't they? Like two or three times. Not not often anyway. Not often. I think it was like a handful of times. I'm tired to say like four or five. And uh, in terms of like singular monsters, I remember that it's very early episode with the Scarecrow. It was like that pagan god. I think that was one of the earlier instances of them playing around with other religious mythology. And I also remember that being an actual genuinely scary episode to me the first time I watched it. So yeah, give that one a nod. Cool, yeah. And suffice to say, they dealt with a lot. Yeah. There was a lot of yeah. different <laughs> But there was a lot of things that could just telekinetically throw them into walls as well. So it's hard to get the difference sometimes. Hmm. So last bit. Other characters, non-main characters. Bobby, well, he was a main character, but he counts as recurring, I guess, because he kind of comes in and out. You can't say anything bad about Bobby, really. I think he's, I think he's great. Crowley as well. Crowley was always entertaining, even if he was kept around long after they probably <laughs> killed him for various reasons. Why are we still going to this guy? He's going to betray us again and again and again. Characters like Jodie I always liked, and early on was it Joe? Yeah. Ellen and Joe, that was it. Yeah, they were good. They weren't in it for very long either. It was about a season, mm. season and a half. You get a nod to them in the finale as well because Bobby's at the Harvell yeah. pub or whatever. That was quite nice. Yeah, and they found ways to bring them back here and there as well. Aye. Yeah. One character I never liked was Metatron. I always hated him. And oh, yeah. I hated how long he had on the show as well. Hmm. I think it's overstayed his welcome. I liked Garth. Oh, yeah. Claire Novak. She was good. The actor has decidedly outgrown the show <laughs> to be, <laughs> to the point where she would never be back if they did the spin-off anyway because she's in, well, not big films, but she's in films. So I'm blanking on others, but there, there's so many little good ones here and there. So any you want to name check, Laura, you go first. Gabriel is always one of my faves. Gabriel slash Trixie. I, I think <laughs> he's just phenomenal and every episode that he's in is just you know you're going to have a good time. Yeah. Other ones, Charlie. Mm-hmm. I really like, especially as she brings out a different side to Dean's character, I think was always a really interesting dynamic. But I think you've mentioned most... Abaddon was a good big bad as well. I think she needs to be mentioned. I, I always thought she was a really good character even if she wasn't around for all that long yeah i barely remember her yeah but i think you've mentioned most of the other ones i'm sure as soon as we finish this podcast i'm like oh yeah i forgot to mention this person because we are talking about 15 series worth but yeah yeah i think i'm happy mr ketch i liked ketch oh see yeah no i hated him the first interview i ever did for supernatural (laughs) sorry mr ketch (laughs) no i could see why you (laughs) liked him that kind of savagery in a suit you see that character type in other things, but I like mm. Aaron, any standouts? I give Rufus a mention with Bobby because yes. I enjoy seeing those older hunters. That was always mm-hmm. interesting to me, that people who knew they were about to reach that point where something was going to get them. Was Rufus the one that phoned Bobby when he said, phone the FBI? And it's, you know, I mean, the real FBI. I think that was Rufus. Oh, I, don't I think so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You've mentioned most. I think some of the more... Slightly grim stuff again is always going to come out to me. Like Castiel and his daughter, you've already mentioned the daughter, obviously, but just to get them in together. And before we knew he was going to be a main character, I just wanted to mention Castiel because it's one of the moments that I do remember. I don't remember a lot of stuff that you've just said there, but I shall always remember, I'll wait here then 
and he does wait there. Oh my god, why would you remind me of this? (laughs) It's just stuff like that that is just so brutally funny because you just don't expect anybody to do that and then you realise who the character really is. Garden, he just came to mind. Who, sorry? Garden. I think Sterling K. Brown played him. Oh gosh, yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, throwback. Yeah, he was the hunter that essentially is what Dean would be like if Sam wasn't there. This kind of bloodthirsty, cutthroat, amoral psychopath and then Dean has to let him turn into a vampire so he can justify killing him. It's interesting to think about, like Sterling K. Brown was in this show Mm. before he was bigger than it. And I guess any show that lasts this long, you get that, you get these actors that turn up in tiny roles and they're like, oh my God, look at where they went. Evangeline Lilly was an extra in Smallville, for example. (laughs) (laughs) She was just in the background at the high school in early seasons. So yeah, Supernatural had its share of that for sure. There's characters that, Mentioning like Rowena, for example. I hated Rowena when she first appeared. She either grew on me or I got used to her, one of the two. Not sure which. Yeah, I liked her a lot more once she wasn't the villain, I think. I don't know what it was. I just think she was written quite shallowly as a villain, but much more interestingly as an ally. Yeah, is that kind of thorn in their side they need help from now and again? Mm. And yeah, there's all these kind of one-shots. Like Donna, I like Donna. (laughs) She was good. Basically, everybody that was going to be in that spin-off that didn't happen. <laughs> like, yeah, true. So that's that. Any final thoughts on Supernatural? I don't think this will be the last ever podcast about it. I think it's too big to not come back to it at some point. That entire retrospective you've done could be split into three different podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> well, easily. Or 15 different oh, podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> so, Aaron, do you have any final thoughts on the show? The reason that I've watched 15 series of something that people will assume I've hated is... Um, <laughs> is something I'll bring up. See, every time we have a podcast, I rave against the plot force and how much I hate it. And yet Supernatural just said, I'm going to run with that and it's my friend. So there has to be somebody out there going, why on earth would I be watching it? And I'll say because even after series five, it was still just such a lot of fun. Mm. Even in series 15, I didn't like. If I just took out all the plot that wasn't really there, so that was easy quick stab in there just to get it going but (laughs) if you take all that concern out and you just watch the characters they were just so much fun sam and dean back and forth castiel back and forth crowley having a bit of fun in there it was just enjoyable to watch those people and i think given that the show used something that i hate so regularly the fact that the strength of the characters managed to overcome that for me and i still enjoy watching it is a massive deal fair enough Oh, Kevin, that's another character just came to mind. I like to- And see, this is what I mean. You're going to be like, oh my yeah, God, Scott. <laughs> that's the last one. I won't anymore if it comes to mind. I'm just going to record extra bits. <laughs> oh yeah, this guy. And then I'll sample you going, yeah, yeah, yeah. There no, just run. do a three hour outro where you just keep mentioning things. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so Laura, what are your final thoughts on Supernatural? Okay. So yeah, in that same vein, it's worth mentioning that as much as I took issue with various plot things, especially in the last few episodes, that's never really the reason why we watch it, is it? It's it's about the characters, and I've said this, and I'm just so in love with their interactions and the fun of it and the sort of camaraderie that comes to life between them, especially Dean Cass and 
Sam, I think in a podcast like this, it, you can't help but get the little critic in you going. And if you set out to look at what you're not happy with, you're going to find it. But it's just worth highlighting that it's just a bunch of fun and I am going to miss it so much. Chris always says at the end of a podcast, I like this when we start, even though I hate it. (laughs) (laughs) I still love it. I think it's just, it comes with the territory that there's going to be some disappointments. And as a very final thought, just to anyone listening to fucking hire Misha Collins, because he's a phenomenal actor and he's immensely underrated, it seems. So give that man some roles, bro. (laughs) Everyone else is sorted because you've got Jensen Ackles. He's in The Boys season three. That's a short role, though. Yeah, well, we'll see. And then, yeah, Jared Padalecki like, just like, carrying on at the CW with Walker. Is it Walker? That's the name, right? Yeah. Yeah. Imagine that runs for 15 minutes. No. <laughs> but yeah, nah, <laughs> give Misha Collins roles. This is my hill and I will die on it. <laughs> well, you never know. The CW tend to look after actors, so you'll probably see him in other things mm. at some point. Who knows? Probably hear that he's a villain in the Superman show or something <laughs> in its second season. I don't know. That's the kind of thing that happens, though, on the CW, especially with someone as prominent as that. He'll find work again, I have no doubt about it. Yeah. My final thoughts are just kind of an echo of what I said before. Supernatural is a show that I've been watching for almost half my life, and I can't imagine my TV schedule without it. And I don't like to imagine my TV schedule without it. There's going to be an emptiness come. Well, it should have already been that emptiness by now because it should have finished in May Mm. but it didn't and it's only finished now so that emptiness should be here now but it's not it will be sort of next year when when you'd be expecting all the shows coming back Supernatural's not coming back that'll probably be when it dawns on me but there are 15 seasons of content to watch most of which I've probably forgotten so I could probably rewatch some of it and think it's the first time I've seen Mm. it or have this vague deja vu type memory about Oh yeah, I've seen this before. I don't really remember what happened. Just restart from season one and schedule one a week and then you're good for another 15. <laughs> but I'll start in September, October and then I'll take a break at Christmas. Aye. And then I'll stop in May until September, October <laughs> again. Yeah, I could do that. That's another 15 years. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. It's not going to happen. So yeah, I'll miss it. I'm glad for all the entertainment it's given me over 15 years. I'm glad we finally did a podcast about it as well. It's weird. Is this the first time you've done a Supernatural podcast? Yeah. Oh, that's weird. Right? Yeah. For whatever reason, we just never did a season wrap-up before. Mm. I don't know why. We just didn't. But this is the first ever, possibly the last ever Supernatural podcast. No, but I think it would be good to come back to it at some point, maybe dig into some different aspects of it. As I said, an episode draft or something like that, where we just talk about something... I have no idea. Watch this space. It may happen. Yeah. And to be honest, right, it's been less than a week since the last episode airs. Who knows what our perspective will be on that season in a few months' time. Yeah. We'll come back and Aaron will suddenly understand the meaning of it and be like, (laughs) I actually love it. I've seen the light (laughs) and it's beautiful. I want to take back everything I said. (laughs) We'll see. I don't think it will happen, but we'll see. Anyway, so that's that. So... That was the discussion of The End of Supernatural, a show that has been with us for a long, long time. So I'd like to give my thanks to YouTubers, The Gear Men Dudes and Martin Miller for the supplied music. Their covers of Carry On Wayward Son are amazing. So 
They're making me sound better as we speak, probably. Listen to that instead of me. If you enjoyed what you heard here, then please hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes users, you can leave a rating and a comment. Five stars if you want. Lower if you want. Just leave one. That'd be great. And if you want to continue the discussion about Supernatural or anything else, you can get us on Twitter on Neil Before Blog or Facebook under Neil Before Blog. Or you can just leave a comment on neilbeforeblog.co.uk. I'd like to thank Aaron for joining in this discussion. And I drank it. And you drank it. Brilliant. Okay. And Laura, thank you for joining in this discussion as well. Thank you for having us. So I'm going to rev up the Impala and ride off into the sunset. <laughs> Even though I was in an ice cream van, I've stolen the Impala. So. Well, Sam's dead now, so... Sam's dead now, yeah. Someone needs that car. <laughs> it's a classic car that's needing some TLC. So... Join us next time on Kneel Before Pod. Don't you cry. Don't you cry no more.